Before I start here, uh, Lois just asked me, uh, gave me a prayer request. Um, her son George has had hip, hip problems with a hip replacement <clears throat> and would like prayer for him. And also, uh, it's her daughter's uh, son, stepson um, also had, a, had a, an injury. Uh, he fell and had a head, head injury. So let's lift them up this morning. Father, um, I just thank you uh, that you are the Lord, our healer, and that you look after your people. You look after your children, and you provide what we need. And we pray that you will provide healing for George and also for, uh, um, for Lois's grandson, step-grandson, and uh, move mightily in their midst to bring healing and restoration and Lord, give all their family peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The reason we do things like that is because uh, we are one body. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We've been, uh, we've been talk, saying this year we're talking about who we are in Christ, and we're also going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And this morning uh, touches kind of on both of those things. And... Um, and how important that is. You know, when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And uh, I hurt a part of my body. I don't know if you uh, remember seeing me in de- a couple months ago in December, but I fell at basketball practice. Um, I don't know if guys who are almost 50 should be playing basketball with younger kids. It wasn't my fault, by the way. But, um, but uh, I fractured the radius bone in my elbow. And uh, I, for a while, I couldn't, couldn't use my arm. I was in a splint for a couple of weeks. And I was, very, uh, I was very glad this past week to see the doctor, and he cleared me from all restrictions, and my arm is, is pretty good again. So, um, you know, at that time, when people asked me how I was doing, I said I have a renewed repre- appreciation for my right arm and all the things that it helps me to do. And, uh, you know, not only were there many tasks that I exclusively used my right arm to do, but uh, even many more things that I did, just like buttoning my jeans or, um, or driving a car or flossing my teeth, that you can't do with one, one arm or the other. It requires both working together. And... Uh, it, it requires cooperation. You know, in our human bodies, each part has an important purpose. And when something's not functioning, one part's not functioning, we suffer and we must compensate f- for its loss, right? And um, in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven, Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. In, uh, back in the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 2, when Israel was in the wilderness, the Lord prescribed a specific place for each of Israel's tribes when they camped around his tabernacle in the wilderness. Have we got a... Um, there's going to be a picture up here soon, but uh, 
God prescribed exactly where each tribe was supposed to camp. And uh, on the east, toward the sunrise, it's God told Judah to make a camp, including three tribes, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And they were, when they packed up to move out, when God told them to, they were to be the first in line. And then on the south, camping on the south side of the tabernacle was the camp of Reuben. That included the tribes of Reuben, Simeon, and Gad in their divisions. In the middle, around the tabernacle, were to camp the divisions of the tribe of Levi. And one of those included Moses and Aaron's families, the ones who uh, took care of the service of the tabernacle. And uh, they would carry the tabernacle when traveling. They would set out next, kind of in the middle of the whole line. Then on the west side of the camp was the camp of Ephraim, which included Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. They would set out third. And then uh, finally the north, uh, the camp of Dan, which included Dan, Asher, and Naphtali, uh, who would, they would set out last. And uh, so you're going to have to picture it because, but uh, imagine the tabernacle in the middle and on the east side is the first ones. On the south side, the next ones. In the middle were, were the Levites. There's my arm. Okay, here's the picture I'm looking at. So, so three tribes, three of the tribes on each side. And uh, God, God specifically told each one which place they were to camp in which is, I think is kind of interesting. And uh, in the middle you see the tabernacle there and the different clans of the Levites uh, camped around it. Um, now, that's w we don't know exactly what it looked like, but turn to the next slide. Uh, it could be that it was arranged a little bit differently and looking down on it, it could have looked like a cross. I, I don't know if it was like that or not, but um, the whole thing is like a picture, I think. I think it was meant to be a picture of the Israelites being the body of Christ and the Lord in his tabernacle dwelling in the midst of them. And uh, at, the, you know, at, the top of the at the top of the cross being Judah, who was the tribe that ended up Jesus David and then Jesus um, came, came forth from them, they were at the head. They were leading. And uh, so I just think uh, God was thinking of the body of Christ. And from Israel, we do learn a lesson. And the lesson is do not despise your brothers and sisters in the body. Uh, in, while I was preparing for this message, I felt like the Lord uh, spoke, spoke something to me. Here's the first part of it. He said this, You are all my children. There is not one of you who is not important to me. Just as I surrounded my tabernacle in the wilderness with the tribes of Israel, so I surround myself with my people and dwell in your midst. I have a place and purpose for each one of you. So do not despise your place. Do not despise your brothers and sisters, my children, 
The sons of Jacob thought they could cut off their brother Joseph, but he ended up delivering them from death. (coughs) Thankfully, he did not respond by cutting them off either. Now, we know um, in the story of Joseph and his brothers from Genesis, uh, they despised him for reasons that we might generally agree with, uh, to be honest, if we were in their shoes. You remember that story, right? Uh, It's in Genesis 37. It starts with verse 3. I'll just read part of it. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. It's kind of a little problem right there. Because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? We all know the answer to that question, right? (laughs) It was yes. They couldn't imagine it, though. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time... The sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. It's probably one of those dreams that you shouldn't share publicly with everybody. Um, When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Honestly, uh, there were definitely some dysfunctional things about that family. Amen? And Joseph, the second youngest son, clearly had some maturing to do. God knows how to mature us, doesn't he? Um, But God had a purpose for each one of them, not just for Joseph, but for each one of them. The brothers' hatred and jealousy could have cost them everything. When you think about it, what does happen if they kill Joseph? They didn't. I guess God made sure they didn't. Jacob didn't understand Joseph's dream, but he was wise enough to keep an open mind about the matter. And later on, Joseph had become mature enough to forgive his brothers. So, like the Israelites in the Old Testament, we are the body of Christ. At that time, they were the body of Christ. Now, we have joined in. We are God's children. Everyone who has faith in Jesus as Lord is a member of Abraham's family. Amen? But we must remember that there is only one Lord in the family. Paul wrote about this uh, in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 Starting at the beginning, he says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, 
I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What's the calling? To be the body of Christ. Now we think about individual callings, but the biggest calling we have is to be Christ's body. And we each have a function in that. Be completely, so therefore, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know what that means. If we're asked to bear with one another, that assumes that we're going to do things that need to be bared with, right? God assumes that, and he's, that doesn't daunt him at all, okay? He just says, bear with it, forgive each other. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How much effort? Every effort. Make every effort to do that. It must be important. There is one body and one Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. When you meet each other, do you recognize the fact that God, our Lord and Father, the one Spirit, is in that person? It's true. But to each one of us, notice it says each one, everyone, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Who did? Who handed out the grace to each one? Christ, the way he wanted to. That is, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. You're not called to be a body part. You're called to be a body. And you have a function in that body. Our identity is in our unity together. Amen? Joseph's brothers were jealous of the gifts that Jacob gave to him. Are we ever envious of brothers and sisters for the gifts they've been given or the calling God has given each one of them? Do you ever, I admit there, there are times I say, I, I wish I were like him. I wish... How about the station in life and the circumstances that he's put around them? Are we ever jealous of that? How do you think Paul felt about his position? What was it called? Prisoner for the Lord. <laughs> That's what it says there, right? That was his calling and station in life at that point. I'm the prisoner for the Lord. Uh, he could have complained about that. Do we ever despise our own place and calling that the Lord has given us? especially compared to others. Do we despise other believers because they've got it wrong? I'm going to read these questions slowly because I want us to think about them, okay? Maybe their style is different. Their personality is different. Their doctrine is messed up. We know that because it's different from ours. They sin. That's the truth. They're immature, just like Joseph was. They haven't got it 
all together like Jesus does and we do. That's sarcastic, right? Um, remember, how did we come into God's family? It was by repenting of sin and giving over our lives to Jesus as Lord. Right? Um, Jesus, we often talk about we receive Jesus as our Savior, right? But actually, we, we probably ought to make it clear when we're gi giving the gospel. We need to receive him as Savior and Lord because that's who he is. He is the Lord. You can't have him without having him be Lord because that's who he is. If you're receiving a Savior who is not the Lord, that's not the right, that's not, that's not the say, that's not the right God. You know what I'm saying? So we received him as Savior and Lord. And uh, he responded by putting his spirit in us to renew and empower us. And it was the same Holy Spirit that he put in each one of us to make us born again. Amen? And the word Lord means boss or king, right? So he's the one in charge. But it's good because he has our best interests at heart as a body, but also for you as an individual. Do you believe that? He has your best interest at heart and he has the best interest of his church in the world at heart as Lord over all of us. He's the one who loved us enough to die for us. That's how we know it, right? This same Lord Jesus is the one with a plan for each of our lives. And he's given special grace to each one of us for his purposes. Amen? So we are all his, but we do not all have the same function. And he's got an individualized plan for each of our lives. A couple of weeks ago, Paul Allen came to our house to work on our water heater, um, which had gotten shorted out. And uh, he fixed it. He put in some new thermostats and... Uh, new heating elements. What if he had uh, put in the thermostat where the heating element was supposed to be and vice versa? Uh, I don't think it probably would have even worked uh, to attach it, but, but uh, it would have been a disaster, right? Uh, certainly the water heater wouldn't, wouldn't have been working, right? And um, that's the same way, way with us. He's given each of us a special grace to do a certain function within his body. And if it doesn't follow that, there's a part of the body that doesn't work. Um, the following passage, I want to read a, actually a long passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and into chapter 13. Now you will recognize chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter, right? Um, but we should not isolate it separate from chapter 12 because it is the ending of, of what he's saying in chapter 12. And it's probably not the last time you're going to hear this passage this year because it talks about spiritual gifts. But today I really want to look at what is it saying about us as the body of Christ uh, and how we function together. Uh, so, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, starting at the beginning. And this is just a sermon by itself, so I'm just going to read it. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know 
that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So there is a, there is a qualification uh, to be part of the body of Christ. There is a re- prerequisite, and that is to receive Jesus as Lord. Right? So there is that distinction. Not everybody in the world is a part of the body of Christ. Now, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Amen? Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Notice, it's, the, it's all the same Spirit, but there are different manifestations of the Spirit. Manifestation means how, you, how he's revealing himself, how we see him, right? So he, he's, the way he works is going to look different in different ones of us. Amen? To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Amen? Right, so these are different. These are not all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but these are different ones, right? And, and it's not saying that one person could only ever manifest or do one of those gifts in your lifetime. Uh, we may uh, do multiple ones of them and it, and it talks about desiring that, right? But not everybody is the same. Not everybody's been given the same gifts. Verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now Paul used Jews and Gentiles, slave or free. Uh, What could we use? Young or old, men or women? Uh, Submit whatever denominational name you want to put in there. Okay. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. It's kind of like a little pity party there, right? Well, why didn't I get the same kind of gift? Mine's not important. Verse 16, if, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, 
it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, repeat that after me, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Wow, that's, those are profound words, right? He has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Buried in the ground, I think. <laughs> right? uh, too many parts lacking, the body would die. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. In the Civil War, uh, during those big battles, they used to talk about the ho field hospitals that they have and outside of them, large piles of amputated arms and legs. That is not a pretty picture, right? Sorry to bring it up. But if we all thought we just, only one or two parts of the body uh, were important, that's what we would be like. And that's not a beautiful thing. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Just think about, which body part do you think you could rip out, cut off, and be fine without? Everybody's going to say the appendix. But <laughs> even those things that we don't understand yet, I, I'm sure they've got a purpose for it, right? And, uh, you know, you might be temporarily upset with one part of your body, but if you got rid of it, you would probably be in a, a bigger world of hurt because of it. So, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. I'm not going to go into which ones of us are unpresentable and which ones are. I think that's taking the analogy too far. But God has put the body together. Let's say that again, together. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. How do you feel when your body's divided? <laughs> Ouch! but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffered with it. It's true, right? You ever have a headache? Your whole body suffers, right? Ever break your toe? Kathy did last summer. Made you miserable for a while. Um, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. How many times are we willing to go and cut off another member of the body? <laughs> like, that's it, I've had it with you. I'm cutting you off. We can't do that. Can't do that. 
There might be problems we have to correct. We might need some medical attention, but we're not going to cut it off, right? We can't cut each other off. Uh, you know, right now, my whole body is very happy that the right arm is working again. All right, you, I'm sure you are thinking of certain health issues you've had, and when you feel better, uh, what a blessing. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? What's the answer to that question? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The answer to those is no, not necessarily. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. I like that verse. It kind of says there's room for growth. There's even room for impartation. Okay, so Paul is saying, yeah, you can seek gifts. You can seek and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to give you gifts. That's an interesting verse. Now, but not everybody is, is gifted the same way, especially with our, the main gifts that we have and the main calling that we have. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. That's the end of chapter 12 about gifts, right? But it's connecting to the next verses. Before we get to those, I want to highlight two important things that I took out of chapter 12. First, the Lord is the one who has made each of us who we are and placed us in the unique calling and place in his body that he wants each of us to function in. Do you see that? It's his plan, not ours. We can rejoice in that. We are not all the same, but we are all important. A body part cannot choose what its place and function in the body is. It can only work to perform its role properly, and it must stay healthy. That's important. Okay, the second main thing I took from it is we need and depend on each other. Amen? If I or someone else is missing or not functioning, you and I and all of us will suffer. It's true. Sometimes the world is so messed up that we don't recognize it. But what are we lacking? What is the body of Christ suffering because some of us are missing or because we have cut some people off or in my life I have cut somebody off or because the church is not unified or because the church is not building each other up and building ourselves up in our relationship with the Lord and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We all suffer. On the other hand, if we are all present and working together, we are all blessed and successful. In other words, when Dan and Warren come back three or four weeks from now and give the report of what happened, not only are they going to be happy, but we are going to be happy, and actually the whole body of Christ in the world, past and present, is going to be happy and celebrating. Amen? Because of what was done. 
because we are one body and we are the Lord's body, Christ's body. I want to read you the second half of what I felt the Holy Spirit told me as I was getting ready to give this message. He said this, You are all my children, and I love you. Now dwell in my love. My love will bind you together as one body. You cannot survive without my love. How many of you know that? Just as the parts of the body cannot survive without blood, I am your life. I shed my blood that you may have life abundantly. This happens only when you remain in my love and share it with one another. And so you can't have a discussion about our calling and function and gifts and place in the body without talking about love. And that's why Paul says, now I will show you the most excellent way at the end of 1 Corinthians 12 which goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which is just a human division of chapters and verses, right? It's connected. You see, the body is dead without love. No matter how gifted or right or effective or important we might think we are in our gifts, in our serving, in our purpose, without love, each of us is more non-functional in the body of Christ than my broken arm was the first two weeks after I heard it. Let's examine Paul's most excellent way. Chapter 13, verse 1. So he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. <laughs> In other words, he's using his gift, but not in love. It ceases to be a good thing. It becomes an annoying thing. You understand what I'm saying? It's counterproductive. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. All that faith, moving the mountains, you've accomplished nothing. That's what he's saying, right? Um, if you haven't done it in love. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, other translation says give my body over to the flames, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. You can actually give your life if you're not doing it in love, it, it counts for nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I think after that it says, love never fails. 
In our world, um, there are a lot of different opinions about what, what love is, right? The biggest one is that love is a feeling. That's not right, right? We know that love is sacrificed. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, okay? So we need love defined. And the reason this passage is so famous and so important is because it gives us a pretty detailed definition of what it looks like to love, right? And what I want to challenge us uh, as this week rolls on uh, is to go back to these four verses, verses four to seven, and meditate and think about what it's saying about what love is and think about ourselves. Hmm. Don't think about somebody else and how well they're loving, but think about ourselves and how am I doing on this? How are my attitudes and my actions, my words, my thoughts towards other people and towards God? Are they really loving? Ask the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit uh, to be the one who um, uses the word of God to cut into our heart, to do surgery, to show us, to bring conviction of sin and to empower us to love and to live the way he wants us to, to build us up. So meditate on this. I'm just going to read it one more time before we pray, okay? What I'm saying is it's, it's possible for us to be completely right. Maybe we're functioning totally in the gifts that God has given us and still be utterly wrong because we're not using the gifts in love. You see what I'm saying? Our enemy works by deception, right? and gives us blind spots so that hopefully, and for his sake, we can't see it. But uh, we, we need to be aware and we need to become experts at what love really is. What does it say? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. How often? Always. Always trusts. And I think these things they're talking about, especially toward brothers and sisters. Right? Always trust. Uh, you know, Always trust. You're going to get run down in this world if you always trust. No, you always believe the best about your brothers and sisters until it's proven otherwise. And still, they're your brothers and sisters. They're still your family. Always hopes, always perseveres, does not give up. We need the Holy Spirit's revelation and conviction and grace and empowerment to see and to live out God's life, uh, God's love in the midst of his body. Uh, again, let's meditate on these verses. And we want to we seek what God has for us, 
What purpose does he have for us? What gifts has he given us? We want to walk in that. Don't despise what God has given you, what he has appointed for you. He's the Lord and he knows what's best for us. Don't despise it. It may look different than what other people do. It may not look as glamorous. You might think, it would be better if I were that person. But no, who he's made you to be is important. Don't despise it. And don't despise other people because they are different than you are. Even with their failings, we are told we still need to love uh, and work through that. You know, When your body is sick, you don't cut out the part that's sick every time. Right? And so God is not going to cut out parts of the body, but he wants to heal parts of the body. He wants to build each other up. You know, uh, for nine weeks while I wasn't able to use this arm, my whole upper body got a little bit weaker because I couldn't do push-ups, I couldn't do pull-ups because only one arm can't do it, right? So we need to strengthen one another. That's part of our job. And we need to do it in love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us. And I thank you that you are the Lord. And we are part of your body, Lord. What a privilege that you have brought us in to be part of you, part of your body, and that you've given each of us your Holy Spirit, and that you have a good plan for each of our lives, and that our identity is you. Our identity is your body, and we are all together as one. Not just in this congregation, but Lord, your people in the whole world. We are all one body. Oh Lord, give us grace. Help us to grow. Not to despise one another or our own selves, but to rejoice in who we are in you and what you've made us and to rejoice in the purpose that you've given each one of us that we might function in it and do so uh, empowered by your love, God. Renew us in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.